So I'm not here to do a promotion, really, of New Zealand and beyond 2018, but I can't shut up about it because it was so good. And then not only did we have great speakers like Pastor Wayne Cadero during the conference, <coughs> but on Sunday morning, Pastor Wayne preached again down at um, Church Unlimited West and we had a simulcast. Now, I think you had the same one. All right, can you remember what he talked about? Offences, and he actually had um, a, a line or two lines that he said. He said, increase in offences and there is a decrease in miracles. Very good, you're champions. All right, so if you have a decrease in offences, you have an increase in miracles. And who doesn't know that God is into the work of miracles? All right? That's what Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you know, God doesn't want to see any of us suffering. No pain, no hurt. Life is um, a trial. It is a, a test. And we go through these tests and trials and um, troubles, as Lorinda attested to in her um, when she was taking up the offering. But the reality is Jesus is greater than that. And if we put our eyes on Jesus and trust in him, he will deliver us out of them and heal us and make us whole. But if we have offence in our heart, it can't happen. Likewise, when we're praying for people who need a miracle, if we're carrying an offence, that can be a hindrance. It stops the releasing of the miraculous power of God in the lives of others. Today I want to speak about the power of love bursts to um, produce miracles. In other words, the relationship between compassion and miracles. Now, unlike Wayne, who said, Pastor Wayne, who said, if one thing increases, the other decreases, my catch line is, if you have an increase in compassion, you're going to have an increase in miracles. An increase in compassion, you have an increase in miracles. And that's what we're going to be looking at. So let's start with what is a love burst. You've all had them. You probably didn't call them love bursts, but I know that you will have felt them. Max Licardo, who's a well-known Christian author, writes about them in one of his devotional books. He says, love bursts are like sunbursts. You know when it's a dull, dark day, even darker than this, and there's black clouds hovering a, a, across, it's rain clouds or rain, and all of a sudden there's a bursting ray of sunshine that comes through. And it's just like it's a spear of sunshine that just hits you in the midst of all this darkness. That's what a love burst is like. It's like um, an intense light. When you're in a dark, cold forest all by yourself and all the trees are dark and hovering over you, suddenly it's like there's this piercing light from the sun that manages to get between the leaves and it comes and hits you. That's like a love burst. He says it's like a starburst. You know, imagine the shot of light. You're, you wake up in the middle of the night and you look out and everything's black and dark outside and you're looking out to the night sky and suddenly you see this falling star flash across, a starburst. Or the tail of a meteorite that flashes its red flames across the sky. That's what a love burst is like. Love bursts are also like power bursts. For example, the thrust of raw energy that booms through the deep silence, such as a high-powered car speeding down a lonely, isolated country road, or the sound of a jet engine. It seems to come out of nowhere and then it goes just as quickly, but it's a, a, a sonic boom that hits you and moves on. It's even like the piercing screech 
of a Nutribullet when it's got all this ice and fruit and vegetables in it and in 45 seconds it pulverizes it into liquid. But that sound, it just pierces everything, doesn't it? That's what a love burst is like. I had an unexpected love burst last week. I was showering my frail 90-year-old mum who was immobilised because she'd had a large cancer removed from her leg and a skin graft put in place. This was before, in the 10 days before I went to conference. As I was helping her to wash and then try to stand up, I was suddenly overwhelmed by a sudden rush of spontaneous affection. It was an explosion of tenderness towards my mum, um, ignited devotion for her. It was a tender moment of radiant love that ripped through my heart for my darling mum, who just seemed so helpless and disabled. And you know, it caught me completely off guard. It was right there in the middle of my being, in the middle of my core, and it overwhelmed me and took me off guard. Love bursts remind us about things that really matter. They interrupt the mundane, the routine, the familiar. They tell us to treasure the treasures that we have while we still have them. My mum is a treasure. She's 90 years old. She has to go for a CT scan on Friday because they found a large mass in her abdomen. And we don't know how long we're going to have this treasure. But love bursts remind you she is a treasure, so treasure her. It's a tender moment of radiant love um, that uh, um, just captures our hearts and gets us off guard. Tells us to treasure the treasure we have while we still have it. I still recall the experience of great tenderness and the sense of mobilising concern that gripped me five years ago when my husband, Tim, came home after 28 days in hospital and almost dying. He couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, he couldn't do anything for himself, not even feed himself. And as I looked at him, a deep and gripping um, sympathy wrapped up in intense love consumed me. And all I wanted to do was to nurture him and to love him and to care for him. Now, this was a miracle for me because in the natural, I'm not a really compassionate person. After being a nurse for 25 years and working in emergency centres and intensive and coronary cares, you learn how to steel yourself against the traumatic, the tragic, the hurting, the abused, the abandoned, the neglected. You learn how to become protected against that. But when I became a Christian, all that changed. As I was filled with the love of God and the love that Christ has, For God's people, that is everyone, everyone created by God. I began to feel again and I began to feel love in my heart and I began to operate more out of my heart and less out of my head. So here I was, practical nurse, ready to manage my husband's care and God hits me with a love burst. And then his care became something very special for him and for me. Love bursts are whispers to the heart that remind us that we have what we already have is greater than what we may think we want. And that what is 
most urgent isn't always what matters most. You have them, I have them, and Jesus had them. The Bible calls love bursts compassion. Webster's Dictionary defines compassion as to suffer together to feel deep sorrow for the sufferings or troubles of another or others, accompanied by an urge to help, accompanied by a desire to alleviate that stress. When we, when we um, uh, feel, when we see the sorrows of others, we feel sympathy. But when we see it and are compelled to do something about it, we experience compassion. So we can be quite sympathetic, feel pity for people in difficult circumstances. But it's not until we have that love burst from Christ dries up within us that we're actually walking in um, compassion. Compassion comes from two words. The com part comes from a word which means um, Innerward parts or guts comes from being together and being one, like we see in um, communion and community. It's that togetherness, that oneness. And it comes from passion. Now, we all know what passion is, an extreme, compelling emotion, strong love or affection, great fondness, hence love bursts. The Greek term for compassion um, used in the New Testament refers to Innerward parts or the guts. Love bursts grip you, grips you in the very core of your being, right here somewhere. It's sort of in your heart, but it's also in your gut. It grabs you. For example, when you're looking at a newborn baby and you suddenly feel overwhelmed. Or when you glance across the room, you're talking to someone else, and you just happen to glance across the room, you see the man or the woman who's the centre of your life. And you suddenly get overwhelmed by the sweeping feeling that comes over you. Compassion. Compassion involves empathy, which literally means to feel in or to stand in the shoes of another person for just a moment so that you get to experience what they are feeling. Empathy is the ability to see the world through the eyes of another person. And then having seen that, to be able to communicate to them a little of what you're seeing. So they know that you're really there with you, with them, that you really know what's going on. For the Christian, this ability to empathise is enhanced by spiritual discernment and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to know and to experience what the other person is going through. I truly believe that without the Holy Spirit um, alive within us, operating within us, it's impossible for us to feel this deep empathy, this deep compassion that Jesus felt. Because it's something that doesn't come in the natural. It only, it's a spiritual discernment that brings it about. It may also provide the Spirit's provision of a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. So suddenly you know something you don't ever have no, you've never known about that person before. And when you speak what you feel, because you can trust the Holy Spirit, because you know it's not you, but the Holy Spirit, you have to guard that it's not your idea of what the person is feeling. It must be something that you've never thought about before that's placed in the centre of you suddenly, unexpectedly. When you share that with that person, 
suddenly they know a miracle has taken place. Because how could you, an absolute stranger, whom they've never met before and know nothing about, how could you know that particular detail about them? Compassion. Christian intercessors are familiar with the sensation of advanced empathy or this advanced compassion when under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they temporarily feel and experience both the physical and the emotional responses of an individual to a personal situation or experience. So intercessors are usually quite familiar with this feeling of empathy and compassion. In scripture, we see that whenever Jesus experienced compassion, a miracle occurred. We're going to look at three examples in, uh, to start with. In Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 42, we read a story about Jesus encountering a man with leprosy. I'm going to read verses, a chapter, Mark 1, verses 40 to 42 from the NIV Bible. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I am willing, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Compassion followed by a miracle. In Matthew 20, verses 29 to 34, two blind men cry out to Jesus for mercy. And again, I'm reading from the NIV, Matthew 20, starting at verse 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and he called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus heard their need. He moved with empathy, spiritual discernment. He could feel what life was like for them. Blind, beggars, on the side of the road, people trampling over them, people spitting on them, um, groveling around in the dirt of the animals and everything. He suddenly had this overwhelming revelation of what life was like for them. In other words, he experienced compassion and immediately a miracle happened. The third example is found in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 15. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she even was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. In other words, something happened inside him. He had a love burst. He felt this great compassion. And he said to her, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the bear that they were carrying her son on and the bearers stood still. Jesus said, 
Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Compassion of Christ followed by a miracle. Just like Jesus, we're to minister to God with a God-given compassion that meets them in their suffering and brings them comfort. With a compassion that releases the miraculous power of Christ in the lives of others. Where there's an increase in compassion, there's also an increase in miracles. We are to walk through life in the compassion of Christ. That's what Christ wants us to do. Christ's example, along with uh, examples, along with the Word of God, challenge us to forsake our own desires and to act compassionately towards others, particularly those who are suffering, those who are in need, those who are distressed. We can do it without compassion, and that's good because that shows them we care. But when we can do it with this deeper level of feeling that comes from Christ, not of our own making, not an emotional response that we've stirred up within ourselves, but something that the Holy Spirit places in there and stirs up and is almost outside our control, then that has the power to change lives for people. In James chapter 5, verse 11, we're reminded that our God is full of compassion and mercy. All right? The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. It was that compassion and that mercy in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's crying out to the Lord, Why, Lord, why do I have to die? Why do I have to be crucified? Not your will, but my will. Because he had a revelation of the entire world perishing because everyone was separated from God and going to an eternity in hell. Mercy and compassion of Christ. The Lord is full of mercy and compassion. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 1, Colossians 3, verse 12, that we, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, are to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, you notice he says, clothe yourselves with compassion. In other words, he's saying, this is your responsibility. This is your job. I can give it to you, but unless you actually take it and put it on and choose to walk in it, you're not going to have that compassion. So this is the challenge, isn't it? It's something we've got to do. Now, how are we going to do this? He says, you clothe yourselves in compassion. We also see the verse, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. There's a link between these two. When we are full of the Lord and clothed in Christ Jesus, then we will be clothed in the compassion of Christ. That means that you and I have to press into the Lord. We have to read the word. We have to pray. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to daily seek for a fresh infilling, for a topping up, an overflow, so that wherever we go, when we get beside people, I can come, for example, and sit beside Sue, who may not know the Lord. And immediately she starts to feel the peace of God. Immediately she feels a joy. And she doesn't know why. Because all that's happened is a stranger has sat beside her. Suddenly, there's a great love that she experiences. Because Jesus Christ in me 
carried in me, his presence in me can make a difference. To clothe ourselves with compassion, we must fill ourselves with the Lord who is full of compassion. Christ, with Christ in us, we live and move and have our being. That's what it says in Acts. You know, Christ in you. You live, you move, and you have your being. So it's no longer you, and it's all of Christ. That's hard to do in the natural, but easy to do if we totally soak ourselves in the Lord. His presence, his love, his Holy Spirit, his word, filling us to overflowing so that it flows out of us to those people who are suffering and needy and poor and ill, a river of living water that bubbles up within us and flows out to people who need a miracle, flowing from deep within us, from the Holy Spirit who, who is resident within us and out to those who are hurting. Do you know, this week I have been both offended... <laughs> A righteous anger, I call it, right. <laughs> and, and full of compassion as I have watched an awful advertisement on the TV. Sometimes I watch My Kitchen Rules because I love baking. Right? And so I watch My Christian Rules. And, uh, my Christian Rules. Uh, Christian needs to rule, that's for sure. Uh, my Kitchen Rules. And at the moment, the advert that's on is an advert showing a couple who are in the next round called Josh and Amy. And the, I don't know what they're cooking. I, I can't tell you what they're doing because all I can hear are the words of Josh. He's yelling at his wife and he's commanding she do this and do that. You're an idiot. Stop doing that. Push it aside. Chop harder. Get on with the work. And he's being really very rude, very dishonouring, very humiliating to her. And every time I see this advert, something wells up within me. And I feel like weeping for Amy. She's abused. She's humiliated. She's ashamed. And what I'm feeling is a compassion for Amy for the injustice and the disrespect that's going on there. Now, this show probably was filmed last year. I have no idea. <laughs> All right. I would imagine it's a few months old. But it doesn't change that feeling that rises within me. Now, that comes because I know that I, I recognise afterwards that that's Christ dwelling up within me. We're not to treat people like that. People shouldn't be treated like that. And we need to have that sense, that discernment that enables us to feel for those people who are abused and neglected and dishonoured and disrespected and embarrassed and put down, just as we are for everyone else. Because when we feel that, we can pray for this couple, for example. We can stand in the gap, and maybe you'll get to stand beside them one day and say something that changes their lives and brings the power of God in there and performs a miracle. Praise God for the salvation of Josh. Amen. Amen. All right, so like Christ, we need to have compassion. I'm going to list five examples of compassion. I've got five minutes, one minute per one, all right? The compassion for the poor and needy. In Matthew 15, we read of Jesus feeding the 4,000. In verse 32, Jesus looks at them and he says, I have compassion for these people because they have been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. You see, the disciples wanted to send them off, send them home, go, let them go and find some food. But Jesus looked at them and he thought, they're just following me because they know the truth. They've seen the truth. 
They want to be with me. We can't send them away. Let's perform a miracle and feed them all. So with a few fishes and a loaf of bread, they all get fed with food left over. We need to have compassion for those who are sick and disabled and dying. In Matthew 14, 14, we read, when Jesus landed, he had been on a boat going across the uh, waters, when he landed and saw a great crowd already waiting for him, probably waiting ever since they heard that he was in the region, he had compassion on them and he healed the sick. Now, this incident occurs um, before Jesus performs another feeding miracle, this time feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. But you see, even before he got to the place where the people yet again needed to be fed and yet again the disciples, not understanding that with compassion as a miracle, had asked him, what will we do with all these people? Even before that happened, he looked out at this crowd of people who were waiting for Jesus, waiting to meet Jesus, waiting to... Um, be healed and delivered and set free and saved. People who knew that there was power in the name of Jesus. People who knew that in Jesus all things were possible and nothing was too difficult. Waiting, waiting, waiting for this man called Jesus. He looked at them and this compassion rose within him. And he, started, he healed all the people who were sick there. Third example, compassion for those who feel lost and grieving. In John 11, verses 33 and 38, we read, When Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, and he wept. And again in 38, he saw it again, and again it touched his heart, and he wept. And then the dead man, their brother, and their friend, and their neighbours, Lazarus, came out of the grave and lived. Then we have compassion for the prodigals. In Luke 15, verse 20, um, we read from this one verse, it, while, while the prodigal son was a long way away, a long way off, his father saw him and was filled for compassion, with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. Now, in this story of the prodigal, there is a, a father who has two sons, and he has an inheritance for them, but... They are not to receive the inheritance in their youth, but later on in life. But the younger son says, I'm out of here. I'm sick of uh, working this farm and doing all the work of this uh, that you have for me and my brother to do. Give me my inheritance and let me go. So the father um, does that. He advises his son that that's not the thing he should do, but the son keeps insisting, so he says, here's your inheritance. So the son takes off, leaves the family, and he goes and he takes his inheritance, he squanders the whole lot, and then he finds himself eventually looking after pigs. Now, I don't know how many of you have worked with pigs. Who's got pigs here? Anyone got pigs? Yeah. Okay, the stench is enough. We had a farm, a dairy farm, and we used to make... Um, cream which got sent off to the dairy factory and what was left over the way um, went to the pigs and so we had pigs and you know you could walk down to the pigsty and it looked like we'd just laid a whole lot of new concrete 
this lovely grey-laid conqueror, but you walk on it and you go down to your neck almost in this pig swirl, this rubbish, and it stinks like you wouldn't believe. It takes two weeks to get rid of the stench off your body, all right? Pigs stink. Now, this son who had everything and squandered it all, living a good life, doing what he wanted to do, the way he wanted to do it, ends up looking after the pigs for someone else. And in the middle of all this pig swirl and this rubbish and these pigs, it suddenly... He suddenly got a revelation. I would be better off back with my father working on the farm, even without an inheritance, than here, doing what I'm doing here. So he starts trudging home. He realises he's probably going to be in trouble and dad may even reject him, but he knows he's going to be better off at home with the family that cares for him, with a father who loves him unconditionally. And here we read that even as he's a long way off, the father sees him and he has compassion for him and he runs out to him and he puts his arms around him, he puts the best cloak on him, puts a ring on his finger, throws a big party. He says, a son of mine who once was lost now has returned. He is saved. He's back again in the family. All right? Prodigals, you've been there, you know. Prodigals have been there. They know what it is to walk with God, but they're chosen to go back into the world and walk that way. And Jesus says that we're to be like the Father. We're to be watching and waiting for someone to come. And then when they come back, when they come saying, I'm sorry, they come back saying, I chose the wrong thing, we're to greet them with compassion and we're to love them and we're to care for them and we're to draw them back into the family of God. And then compassion for the unsaved. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, actually I'm going to read the whole section. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 9, starting at 35 and reading through to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. When he looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, Jesus came to earth and died for sinners, like people like you and me, people who have been so caught up in their worldly lives that they've chosen not to make relationship with God a priority. These people are separated from God and therefore lack his provision and ability to deal with life's problems. They're helpless and harassed like people without a shepherd. Jesus' solution? What was his solution? His solution is found in the second part of this verse. He wanted to provide a miracle of salvation. Send out more labourers into the ripe harvest. People who are filled with compassion, people who can go out and see the destitute and desperate um, way of these people. People who, with compassion, will get alongside them and nurture them and care for them and just love them into the kingdom. So Jesus' answer was, for these people who did not know God, was for more workers, more labourers to go out. People like you and me who know the truth. People like you and me who are willing to 
get so close to God that we feel the compassion of Christ, that we're willing to experience these love bursts for people we don't even know, people who are perishing, people who have before them just an eternal hell. That's you and me. I'd like the worship team to come up, please, if you could just start playing. There's three groups of people I believe that the Lord's speaking to in this place today. The first group are the prodigals. God gave me this message for this group of people in this place this morning. So therefore, I'm believing that God's speaking to prodigals in this place. People who have known God and who have chosen to go their own way and do their own thing and to reject family lifestyles and values. But now you're realising there must be a better way because that way of life isn't good for you. The story of the prodigal son is a parable about God and his children, God and you and me. Maybe like the prodigal in the Bible story, you want to come home to Jesus regardless of what it might cost you. God is your heavenly father. He's looking out for you. He's watching and waiting. His arms are open. He's ready to greet you right now. But you've got to start the homeward trek. This is your opportunity today. If you're a prodigal, if you feel you're not in right relationship with Jesus Christ, and this is the time that you need to make that choice, then today when we invite you up for the altar call, I'm suggesting you come, you make the first step, because I tell you God loves you and he's here and he's waiting for you. The second group of people I'm talking to today, because this is the word God gave me for this church on this day, is those people who don't yet, who have never had a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You've heard the stories, you've seen the examples today, so you know that it's God's desire that not one person in this world should perish and have eternity in hell, but that every one of us should live in relationship with Jesus Christ and know that we're going to live forever with him, that there's something at the end of life when our physical bodies die. If that's you and you've heard this message and you'll say, yes, Pam, I feel this is the day I need to make that response, then... In a few moments, when I ask you to respond to that, I'm going to ask each of those two categories of people, put up their hands, and we will pray with you, and you can come into the kingdom of God. The third group of people in this room, I believe the Lord is speaking to, are those who want to see miracles in their ministry to other people. People who know that they need to get a greater compassion for other people. People who know that they need to have the compassion of Christ working within them. You know, um, as Pentecostal Christians filled with the Holy Spirit, we expect to see, we can expect to see miracles happen every day, everywhere, wherever we go. As Church Unlimited, miracles is just a part of the normal way of functioning. And so you're here as a part of this church, and this should be something you can start to live with and expect to happen through your ministry. But it starts with compassion. Compassion. 